When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. I'm inside Black and Gold. I have gone deep into the mailbag and found all of your... You know, people have been really nice to us today. I don't know why. I mean, we, we need to find more trolls so I can get mad. Good tap podcasts aren't fun podcasts. Come on. I think it's a lovely day out and people are in a good mood of what's been going on lately with the Black and Gold. So maybe all the trolls are in hiding. We even have JD1 here. He says, I'm a Raiders spy. And he's not even saying anything mean. Like, why are you like, here? He's just like, hey, guys, I'm spying out. No big deal. And if you're telling me you're a spy, you're not really doing a good spy job. The spy craft there is weak. So Saint for Life says, the oil has to be addressed. The last two years have been a disaster. Guard needs to be looked at. I mean, like, I don't necessarily... You look at the people, they look at the players on the roster, and you have a first-round pick at right tackle. You have a second-round pick, which was your first pick of that draft at center. You have a first-round pick at right guard. You have a first-round pick at left guard. And you have a first-round pick at left tackle in Trevor Penning. And you just didn't see him on the field because he got hurt. Andres Pete, you just don't see enough on the field because he gets hurt. Cesar Ruiz, I thought, played really well. Eric McCoy has been very consistent. And Ryan Ramchick, while I don't think he had his best season, was consistent. So like, I think you have the pieces there. What you don't have is the depth. And that's why I agree with you. That's why I went with Osiris Torrance at number 29 because I am tired. You know, I like Calvin Throckmorton. They brought him back. He's a quality depth player. Storm Norton seems great, but I don't want to see them starting. I really don't. And you need to have someone backing these players up that you can put on the field and not get annihilated every time you try to drop back to pass. So I agree with you. I think guard is something you do have to like. I think when you're talking about needs, versus wants i think i a quality young guard is among the needs yeah you mentioned obviously health being an issue it's like when's the starting five offensive line together what's been more together jeff the starting offensive line for the saints or the starting five for the pelicans <laughs> uh well yeah I mean, that's a good question um, I, I, I don't know it's just uh are you trying to bring me down man I don't want to talk about the Pelicans. No, no, I'm just saying with the, the the offensive line was a frustrating thing. Obviously, guys not being able to stay on the field. And yeah, you're you say the next man up mentality and the guys behind your starters are obviously not as good. And that got tested, I feel, a lot more often, a lot more than anybody would have liked last year. But I feel like that's so, that seems to be always the the case with the O line. Man, those guys, you know, are just it hurt. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's not, you know, like we can get mad at Teron Armstead and say he's injury prone. We can yeah. get mad at Andres Pete and say right. he's injury prone. They are, but that's part of the reason you moved on from Teron. Uh, and it's like, but that's just what happens. I mean, offensive linemen get hurt and it's like, it's hard to prevent it. Cause a lot of times you're talking about injuries where they're getting backed up and then someone just rolls up onto their leg and it's like, what do you do? Right. Trevor Penning was blocking on a, on a run play and all of a sudden his foot just blew up on him and just like, what? You can't there's only so much you can do right 
but yeah, it, it is frustrating. And during the 2021 season, you played half the season without either starting tackle. T tough to win games that way. So you need not only starting caliber players, you need replacement level depth. And right now they don't have replacement level depth. Um, and so I, and I, I agree with this take is like yeah. they do need to do something. There's even still questions, obviously, at tackle just because what's going on with Trevor Penning? You know, we, we hopefully he comes back from another, you know, foot injury and that he's going to need surgery on. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any questions as to whether he'll be the starter. I think it's just. No, it, it's unfortunate, though, that you've you, all you know already of him is more is more injury than anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he played well when he was in there. So I think that gives you that gives you some positive momentum where, you know, last year you just weren't sure what to expect. And so you were working in behind James Hurst. And I think this year, assuming you continue, you keep James Hurst on the roster, I think the goal will be for Trevor to start. You mentioned Hurst. I think it might, and it might sound crazy or whatever, but I definitely think he's one of those unsung heroes from last season. Like he really gave you a lot of, valuable snaps when you, you you really had nothing going on there because of you know penning being banged up see i put him in the same category as calvin throckmorton where like you know you can't get mad at him because the expectations yeah. are so much lower than they would be for a trevor penning and i don't think he like i think he played well relative to his expectations but the expectations were not very high and you need to have a higher ceiling there and i think especially in the run game he didn't do enough. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's somewhere where I think you can get really a lot more nasty with Trevor out there. So, you know, I like I like I said, I like I think you you've you've invested the draft capital. You just got to see it on the field. Here's Louise Lockett says, hopefully we don't have to do those depressing shows after demoralizing Saints losses anymore. And, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm still going to be doing depressing depressing shows either way. I'm I'm a, I'm a depressing kind of guy. No, we're going to be in, you know, all high spirits after that week one victory over Andy Dalton and the Panthers. Right. Austin Klaska says, I'm excited about Jonathan Abram. Great box safety, but makes too many mental errors. However, he won't be on the field for us a lot, so he should be in a position to succeed. And yeah, I think that's why, you know, if I, if they were signing Jonathan Abram to be the starting strong or free safety, then I would feel differently about the signing. In this case, you are bringing in a talented player who has warts, but you are only going to use him in situations where it benefits you. you. You don't have to put him in positions where he might struggle because you do have Marcus May and Tyron Matthew, assuming they're both healthy and out there. So like, I think it's just a position of strength now where, yeah, you do have a very good tackler in Jonathan Abram. You do have a guy who can get downhill and you can maybe use in pass rushing nickel sets, right? Dime sets. You can have cover a tight end across the middle of the field. It's not a it's not an assignment a lot of cornerbacks and safeties want to take on. And so you do have a guy who can do it. And so I think it's a quality signing. Again, if he was the starter, it would be a different story. But in the role they're gonna have him in, I I agree, Austin. I think it's a good a good addition. Right there with you too about the he's not our starter, but a great piece that you can rely on in a rotational situation rotational All right. <laughs> and and i agree with this too is he definitely does have a type dennis allen does have a type and it's very much players who can play multiple positions they they call it multi being multiple and like one of the main reasons you wanted to pair marcus may and tyron matthew is because 
you can either of them can play either position. And I almost I, I, I still struggle to see that vision because I don't think Marcus May is a good enough deep safety. I don't think he can cover well enough to truly be multiple, but um, that's still the, the idea. And that's why you bring in guys like Lonnie Johnson and Jonathan Abrams. There's one other question. The Saints have a good amount of cap space left. If you were in Mickey Loomis's shoes, who would be someone you'd be looking to sign? Um, I did see on Twitter that the Saints signed, re-signed Isaac Yadam, just a, another kind of special teams depth guy. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a ton that you're trying to do here in terms of like, you might bring in someone late. You might bring in someone after the draft, but I'm not, I'm not falling over myself trying to sign another free agent right now. Yeah. There's nothing that um, at least that I can think of off the top of my head uh, name wise position. I'm still looking though at that D line uh, whether, you know, come the draft for sure. And definitely, in free agency, I'm still, uh, you know, pedaling around there. It'll be interesting. We haven't seen anything happen with Kentavious Street, Jeff, but I, do, I think we both fully expect maybe when things even settle down more that he kind of takes that one-year veteran deal with, you know, Ryan Nielsen and Atlanta kind of deal. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the longer it goes on, the longer you, you imagine he could potentially come back. Like, I think sure. he, he did like it here. Um, right. So... We'll see. But moving on, Smoke <laughs> says he hopes the Saints get on hard knocks. It's possible now that Dennis Allen is the head coach, but I still find it – I think it's highly unlikely that the Saints ever approve of going on hard knocks. Well, I saw the one, too, for this year. One of the teams in the running are the New York Jets, and you know they're going to want that clown show on TV with Brett Favre when that, Brett Favre when Aaron Rodgers, when that deal out gets done. I know. I can't believe I did it again. You've done it so many times. They are one now. They are the same to me. They are the same. Austin says he would have picked Darnell Washington in the second round. I just I can't co-sign drafting a tight end in the second round. It just it's really difficult for me in terms of the the impact they're going to have and the value you can get later. It just does not make sense to me. But I like Darnell Washington. Like if he gets them in the third round, no brainer to me. I just uh, think the names on the board at at forty are going to be way too good. To, to settle for a tight end that when you when you just paid Juwan Johnson and you feel comfortable with Adam Troutman as your blocking tight end. I will say, though, with that with them bringing in Forster Morrow, and obviously unfortunate news for him, but it clearly a sign that this team is still looking for uh, some kind of upgrade at the tight end position. No, I, I mean, I don't think it's an upgrade. I think you just, you're bringing another body. Yeah, I mean, like, last year, this time, this time last year, they had Nick Vanette, right? right? Like, I think that's the type of body you're trying to bring in because you just, you know, it's too tight end. Like you need you need players to go through drills, right? <laughs> like it's tough to make it with that number of bodies. Like I think you do need one more. Hopefully, um, hopefully the ridiculousness of even trying to call Taysom Hill a tight end at least ends. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, they they might still list him at that position and in terms of fantasy football. I hope they do. But yeah, I mean, it, he's not a guy you're really dealing with a tight end. Don Tomasino says Kincaid reminds me of Shockey, Jeremy Shockey. And I don't know if you're talking about the Saints version of Jeremy Shockey or the Giants version of Jeremy Shockey. I could see it. You know, Jeremy Shockey is fascinating when you go look back. I remember vividly, he's the reason that the NFL made it so when someone's like helmet pops off, you have to stop. Like if, if the ball carrier loses his helmet, the play's dead. Because I remember 
he would constantly have his helmet fly off. Like it happened at least three or four times when he had the ball and he wouldn't stop. He would just keep trying to plow into people with no helmet on. It was like he could die. I mean, <laughs> he was a crazy person. Uh, and I don't know if Dalton Kincaid has that type of, of mean streak in him, but we'll never know because you can't do that anymore. He ruined it. No, you mentioned that's definitely funny. That I, I definitely think of Shockey running around like you know with no helmet on and not even a care in the world that he could get like completely just murdered. Dead, he could right. die. Like if no one was wearing helmets, that's one thing. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> else is. Don Thomasino also says they should draft BJ and use him like Caden Ellis. I mean, if you're gonna, I, like, I I get it. I I understand what you're trying to say here, but like. You are a three four. You're not a three four team. You're a four three team. And Caden Ellis was a Sam linebacker who played well and got up the field. But you're not going to draft BJ, who was a pass rusher by trade, and say now you're a now you're an inside linebacker. No, like he's an outside linebacker. I think, yeah, and he could be a really good one. But he's the Saints aren't going to draft him because they don't use outside linebackers. It's not their defense. Now that could change, but I highly doubt it. Anyway. That's a guy that uh, will definitely be curious to see how Ellis fits in his new surroundings this year because, man, that was just a big-time black-and-gold developmental piece that you feel is just starting to hit his stride, and unfortunately, now that's going to be in Atlanta. See, I, I do disagree with that slightly, and it's because he's 27 years old. It's not like you lost a 23-year-old that you drafted four years ago and he's and he's like just blossoming before your eyes. Like if you weren't going to start him this year or next year, are you going to wait until you know? Are you gonna are you gonna sit there and then all of a sudden you're, you have a 30-year-old linebacker who's starting for the first? Like that's the issue to me. If he was 23, I think you could have probably justified a bigger contract for him. Being 27 and not having a route to a starting job is tough. So I don't I don't have an issue with it. Like. If they could have kept him on a on a very very reasonable deal, that's one thing. I don't have any qualms about losing him for the deal he left on because you were never going to give him that. The deal, I totally agree with you. I guess the the big stinger is the fact that it's Atlanta. Oh yeah, sure, right. But that like the second you lost Ryan Nielsen to Atlanta, you knew this was going to happen. We've These talked about it with the names, right? Like we've talked about it so many times on this podcast that I'm glad it did happen so that I can say we were right. Told you so. It right. was, you know, there's like an inevitability. Um, Here's Mario. He points out. So we talked about Foster Morrow and the, the got diagnosed with cancer. Um, I know. I think he's referring to Nick Fairley here. He's, he had a heart thing. I want to say. Yeah, I definitely remember. It was an unfortunate medical issue for him, and he was someone that brought a lot of that that fire to the D line, man. And unfortunately, yeah, his career got cut way too short. Austin is a fan of mine, Nathaniel Dell pick. And I think everyone will be a fan of that pick if it's made once they see him on the field because he is a fun guy to watch. Um, and I think like he's just, you know, when you go to Houston and you're in the American Athletic Conference and you tend to get overlooked. And I think, but I think he he's every he's every bit of legit. But all right, let's those are all the ones that had stars, stars next to, but let's see, there's gonna be a few more here. Mastermind <laughs> says, do we select a defensive lineman or best available for pick number 29? Well, as you saw, neither one of this took a defensive lineman at number 29 in our mock drafts. I think because you, I think if you feel comfortable, you were able to bring in two quality defensive tackles that you, that it just kind of gives you the, the luxury of being able to say, if there is a, there's a player here that we really like 
we are not going to draft a defensive tackle just because we're desperate for defensive tackles. And I think that's where you want to be when you're in the draft. You never want to be in a situation where you there's someone you really like and you want to draft him, but you're like, man, we just have to fill a hole here. We don't have a choice. That's just like that's how that's not the way good teams draft. And so, like again, it's I went with Osiris Torrance, and I feel really good about that pick. Steve went with Bijan Robinson, and it's like, okay, you're drafting at the top of those positions. And I always have advocated for like if you're kind of mixed in terms of where you're value, valuing one position or another, I've always felt like if you have an opportunity to, to take the top graded player on, at a position. So if you're talking about running back, if you're talking about guard, are you getting the best guard in the draft? Because if so, I value that a little higher than, am I getting the fifth best edge rusher? Am I getting the seventh best quarterback? Right. And that's why like, I, I'm, I don't think they're going to take Bijan Robinson, but I think the logic makes sense if you do at that point in the draft, because you're still getting the number one running back on the board. Yeah. Like I said, it was one of those, it was hard to pull the trigger, but in the end I I felt that for the reason I feel like just because he's a running back, he's not a top 10 pick top five pick shoot. Um, And for the number 29 overall uh, in a position where you're looking to, get younger, get more dynamic, think it's someone that just could add a lot of value to the offense, even though there are so many running backs that are available in this draft, I feel like. That's that's, that's a fact, actually. There there are so many running backs that you look at tight end and, and running back, I feel like it's just chock full those early rounds of guys you can grab. Yeah, as Danny T04 says, are the Saints going to pick up Ruiz's fifth-year option? I mean, you're bringing him back on a new deal one way or the other. The question is just how you're doing it. So it's it's expensive. Like you're not getting a great discount with that fifth-year option if you pick it up, but you can restructure it. That's what they did with Marshawn Lattimore when they picked his up is they signed him to the fifth-year option and then they restructured that and the Saints love to restructure deals. So I could see them doing it. I could also see them just trying to trying to hammer out an extension with him off the fourth year if it makes more financial sense. But one way or another, you're bringing him back because I think he really stood out last year. And uh, you want I, I think you're, you're feeling very comfortable with him this time around as opposed to going into year three where he had a lot to prove. Yeah, it was definitely uh, one of those positive years for Weez. I know a lot of folks were big time down on him, man, to start the year. And we kind of, I think, laughed about it. It's like, yeah, you know, it's funny what happens when you're brought in during a COVID uh, lacking season, you know, when it came to workouts and uh, how much time you got to spend with the team and now getting a full f- training camp and full taste of getting acclimated to life in the NFL. You started to see a different reason. Yeah, I, I would expect obviously even another step this year. Okay, so this is one more and then I think that we can wrap it up. Danny Teo for and I think, and I, I like this comment because I think it's interesting and I think it's actually backwards. It says, Saints are drafting defense in the first round. Come on, man. This is DA laughing, crying emoji, laughing, crying emoji. And I understand why you're saying this, but think about how the drafts have gone with Sean Payton versus last year with Dennis Allen, right? Dennis Allen, yes, he's a defensive coach, but they went offense, offense in the first round last year. They traded up to go get a wide receiver. But I think, and I think it's actually the opposite of what you're thinking. Sean Payton was always 
a, you would always see defense, 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 offensive line. And it was more about he felt like he could find wide receivers in the mid to late rounds in the UDFA pool. He felt like he could find running backs in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, right? And what he wasn't as sure he could do was find a diamond in the rough defensive end and develop him because that's just not where he his forte was. And I think now you have Dennis Allen and that is flipped where I think you're going to end up seeing more top end picks spent on offensive players because he feels comfortable finding that diamond in the rough edge rusher and bringing him in. So like, I actually think this is in reverse of like, now that you do have a defensive head coach, he's going to pick more premium offensive players because he knows that he can juice the most out of the defense, regardless of where you're using those picks. Or like last year, that diamond in the rough cornerback, Alante Taylor. Right, right. And so you'll see, you know, second, third round, fourth round, that's where he'll try to find his guys. Whereas at the first round where you're getting kind of those blue chip prospects, you're going to give, you're like, oh, Pete, Pete, you want, you want Chris Olave? We're going to go get you Chris Olave. You need a left tackle? We're going to go get you a left tackle. You want a running back? We're going to go get him. I don't think it's going to happen, but either way, I, like, I think that's the logic I would use if you're trying to sell me on B. John Robinson at 29. Oh, I'm I'm still saying though, even in the first two days of the draft, I still think you could say the Saints will get a running back. I could see a third round or second round selection. It's possible. I I, I would guess fourth, and I would guess you're going mid tier, like like an Evan Hall. I just don't think you know you're just spending so much at the position right now that I, I find it hard to believe. But if I mean, it's really just a question of whether they really like a running back. And if they do, you can go get them. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I agree. So that's the one thing I don't miss about Peyton is this quote. I like our receiver room about the Marquez Callaway, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Deontay Hardy receiver room. Very true. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we're fine. We're fine. Don't worry about it. We got this. Traquan Smith in the third round. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a person that um has managed to stick around, though, as much as we – like to take little jabs at Traquan, he seems to have, I guess, found his niche with this team. Well, I mean, he's he's a guy who knows the offense, and he's gonna they're gonna bring him back on a cheap deal. But like the fact is, he was the only wide receiver they took for like four years, <laughs> and you had and you had Sean Payton, and again, it's just an example of like Sean Payton being like, I can ring the most out of anybody you give me, so I would rather have the offensive line, defensive line fully stocked. I want a full allotment of cornerbacks. I want everything that I can get in the top half of the draft that I don't have to worry about because I want to worry about the offense. And uh, yeah, so hopefully like that's, that is the, if you're a Saints fan and you're, and you're trying to find a silver lining of having Dennis Allen as the head coach, it is that I think you will be seeing a lot more skill positions on the first two days of the draft than you had under Sean Payne. And so that's where that's that's my last take of the day. Yeah, I would think a lot of folks were probably pretty taken back that Allen was so aggressive to go after Olave last year kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like I get it. Um but yeah, I think it just is a sign of like yeah, we we don't have that kind of this self-proclaimed offensive guru anymore and you know we're we're gonna we're gonna get more set it and forget it type offensive players. That's the way I kind of 
I, I kind of look at it like they're, they're programmed. You don't have to worry about whether they can develop over time. They're supposed to be ready now. Uh, and that's Olave, and that's, you know, first round offensive tackle, first round guard, that sort of. Well, if it's more offensive linemen, like you said earlier, Saints fans are going to go batty, um, even though they should be used to it by now. Well, everyone gets mad when they draft an offensive lineman, and then they also get mad halfway through the season when you're starting Calvin Throckmorton. So it's like you you can only have so much. Like I'm not gonna like if you're gonna complain about everything, and then yeah. Anyway, that's the end. That's I, I said that was my last take, and so I'm done. Right, uh, anyway, let's wrap that up. We've been on here for way too long. This is I hear the March Madness music. Yeah, I gotta. Yeah, gosh, I have like less than an hour to edit this and start watching UConn men. So go Huskies. U C O N N. Um, pride of stores. Yeah. This is inside black and gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore. No, you can follow Steve at Steve Geller, WWL. We're going to be hosting sports talk on Friday, 48 PM. Tune in for that. WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and the Odyssey app. Call in at 504-260-1870. You can text as well. That's always fun. Um, if you want to do so anonymously. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you. We have four hours to kill tomorrow, and we just spent two hours talking. So I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll just replay our two hours for two. There we know. go. Yeah, we'll just literally put this on and then sit there and watch basketball. How about that? Right. Thank exactly. Well, what, what's cool is we'll be on. We'll see the women's basketball team with their Sweet Sixteen matchup, uh, and I guess we'll recap the LSU baseball game since they started early now. Yep. Yep. So good old noon starts. But all right. That's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, who dropped in a comment, question. As always, this is Inside Black and Gold. Who Appreciate you, folks. <laughs>